Before we begin, we taped this show on Tuesday, July 2nd, and since then, officials have begun printing the census without the citizenship question, despite pushback from the president. This is Millennially Speaking, a podcast about politics, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm David Latimer. This week, we're talking about the Supreme Court's two big rulings from last week, the importance of buying over renting, and Nike's pair of offensive shoes. But first, I'd like to talk about the Supreme Court. And this actually goes back to a story that we were covering maybe six or seven weeks ago, but it's sort of now come full circle. So the recent session of the courts just ended a few days ago on June 30th. And there were two big cases that still needed to be decided by the Supreme Court that were in front of the Supreme Court and was assumed that they would handle them before the end of the session. And the first one had to do with gerrymandering and partisan gerrymandering. So essentially what partisan gerrymandering or what gerrymandering, first of all, is, is when you draw district lines in regions in such a way that benefit a political party, one over the other. Now, the purpose of gerrymandering and the, and the purpose of, well, the purpose of, of drawing district lines is so that you are creating districts that are representative of the population and those particular people that live in that area have equal representation in the house. Now, the problem with partisan gerrymandering is whoever was in control of the House and governorships at the time of the the last time that maps were drawn, which is at the end of the decade, so that happened back in 2011, whoever was in control has a much bigger advantage because they're able to draw their own maps and then the governor will sign off on them. So, what needed to be decided was whether partisan gerrymandering is allowed. And essentially what happened is the court punted the decision and said, basically, there is no way that the court could decide on something like this because it would essentially lead to unlimited litigation in picking what maps are okay and what maps are not. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with racial gerrymandering, which is still a hotly contested issue. And the issue with racial gerrymandering is when a political party sort of either does one of two things, that it's in political theory, there's two different ways that you can gerrymander to your benefit, packing or cracking. Packing is when you take a particular group and squish them into one area of a map so that way their their influence is only contained into one area or cracking which divides up a particular demographic or party into many many districts to dilute their power and and you sort of go back and forth as to which you use depending on what you're trying to accomplish and with racial gerrymandering the problem is First of all, racial gerrymandering is illegal, 
but it's hard to know when something is racially gerrymandered. Because especially with, if you're talking about the Democratic Party, I mean, face facts, the Democratic Party does have the majority of the African-American voters. Generally, African-Americans are on the side of the Democratic Party. If you look back at past elections, I believe, I forget whether it was Mitt Romney or Trump, but one or the other, one side got 92% of the black vote and the other side got about 8% of the black vote. So it's it's very clear and very obvious that when you gerrymander to disadvantage African-Americans and African-American communities, it can look like it is a racial gerrymander over a partisan gerrymander. So it's very unclear which is which. Now, this decision was split along ideological lines. It was a 5-4 decision with all of the conservative justices saying uh, the one and the the liberal-leaning dissenting. So it's quite possible that this could be revisited in the future. Um, But basically they said that this is a state's issue that Essentially, if states want to litigate and and state courts or if legislators in states want to make laws that prevent partisan gerrymandering, they absolutely can. But the Supreme Court has no interest in becoming a political arm where they now have to litigate what maps are okay, which maps are not, and say what's politically motivated and what's not, Um, especially because as soon as you start having – once they decide on one – they then have to decide on a lot. And I understand that philosophy. Um, And what was interesting about this case is that it was actually dealing with gerrymandering on both sides of the political aisle. So it was a very balanced argument. Uh, They were discussing Maryland, which is gerrymandered in favor of Democrats, and North Carolina, which is gerrymandered in favor of Republicans. And, I mean, it's, it's definitely a difficult one to, I think in my opinion... To, to deal with, but uh, the other case that was being discussed at the Supreme Court had to do with the census, and we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, that there is a question that is being proposed by the Department of Commerce, or the ones that run the census, of adding a citizenship question to the census, asking, are you a citizen, or, or the people in this residence, are they citizens? And the Supreme Court decided that as of now, they are going to pass, and, and that question cannot be added. So in this decision, it was also a 5-4 decision, but Chief Justice John Roberts actually sided with the liberals in this case. And one of the, the reasoning, basically, was that the reasons that the Department of Commerce provided for adding this question was, quote, contrived. And that Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross presented a reasoning that was either misleading or not consistent each time, and that essentially, if they could come back with more evidence as to the reasoning for adding this question and have it be a consistent reasoning, it could potentially be revisited, and that's very possible, but as of now, that particular question is on hold. Now, we're about to hit the deadline, I believe the deadline actually has already passed, the first deadline for when census paperwork is supposed to start being printed. And I haven't heard 
what's happened so far, but if I were to assume correctly, it is that the census paperwork has been put on hold while we await the results of this. And in my personally, in my opinion, I understand why adding a citizenship question in theory could make sense, because the point of the census is to also help with redistricting, and in theory, you should only really care about representing citizens rather than non-citizens. However, the Constitution only requires us to hold a census, count everyone in the country every decade. It does not specify citizens versus non-citizens. It does not specify residents versus citizens or travelers that are here or people on work visa or things like that where they are living here and they're living here long term, but they're not technically born citizens. Like, it's hard to interpret that because it is so vague. But if I were to say, obviously the most simple way to solve this is to just keep precedent, which is to just not add the question, because that's also the easiest way to move forward is to the unintended consequences of adding the question, you can't know. But not adding the question doesn't change anything other than you just keep with the status quo. And we've already talked about this, but adding that question could also potentially add the complications of fewer responses, which is not good because we need this data. And they've already taken account in the system of communities that are most likely to be underrepresented, such as the Latino community because of fear of deportation by answering, you know, improperly. It could it, it lead to an even higher level of uh, fewer responses, which could then make those particular communities even less represented. And that's not just people that are undocumented. It could also potentially be mixed families of mixed status. So some that are legal, some that are undocumented. It could be people standing in solidarity. Again, we mentioned this in the past, but I think it's a tough call to make. But my feeling is just keep it where we're at right now and potentially assess it in the future. So next, what I'd like to talk about is this is actually more of a rant. A rant and a warning, actually. So in recent years, we have turned into a culture that is more interested in renting or using subscription services over actually owning anything. And I'm not talking about housing or anything or or cars. We've been doing that forever. I'm talking about things as simple as your media. So TV shows, movies, books, things like music, things like that. So, and the reason I give you this warning is I have two examples of, recently, of when you buy or rent media that is not physical and real, you risk the potential of corporate greed or corporate involvement, let's say, down the road. So my first example is Microsoft. Microsoft had a ebook service, very similar to Amazon and their Kindle service or Barnes and Noble and their Nook service. And just as with those services, you could purchase ebooks and keep them on their 
proprietary software and read them whenever you'd like. And you could also annotate, take notes, um, do highlights and whatnot. But this particular service is closing. It's shutting down. The store will no longer be available. You won't be able to purchase anything anymore. But not only that, anyone who has purchased anything on this store, your books will be disappearing. Anything that you've purchased from this particular service is going away and you won't have access to it anymore. Now, that's not to say that you're completely out of luck. So you will be receiving a refund if you did purchase from this store and they will also give you an extra refund or a little bit more. I believe it's an extra $5, I think I saw, if you put in notes, if you annotated anything. So you're, you know, if, if you had a book that you were really into and you started writing notes and things in it, you won't have that book anymore, but you will get a little extra in return. That is absolutely horrendous. Imagine if you invested even if it's not a lot of money, imagine you bought maybe, you know, five or ten books, okay, if you're, if you're, you're into reading. You bought all these books, you read them a couple of times, you took all these notes, regardless of the fact that you're now getting your money back, you invested in a service that you believed in that you assumed would just be there. And, and these companies, especially a company like Microsoft, they're a huge company, you would assume that they have your back and that it was a wise investment. And clearly it wasn't. Say um, any regular book publisher, say Penguin or any of them, decided, you know what, we're no longer going to be publishing this particular title. We're done publishing it. We're not going to make any more copies of it. Their decision to do that does not automatically then remove, just with the click of a button, your book that you have, physical books sitting on your shelf. Now, I'll be the first to say, I love ebooks and I prefer ebooks over regular books because I can keep a bunch of them on my Kindle. I have a Kindle. I can read them at night without needing a whole bunch of light or anything. I can you know, I don't have to keep a book a bookmark to to know where they are. It's just it saves my place. It's more compact. I can, you know, all of those things. So I will obviously be the first one to defend technology. But when companies start interfering like this and breaking promises that they made to their consumers. How are we supposed to ever trust companies again? I have another example that your media isn't gone, but it is certainly not what was promised to you. So this was a story from a few months ago. iTunes. People used to buy movies on iTunes all the time. They, they still do sometimes, but a lot of people have moved on to streaming services like Netflix and things like that. However, you can still buy movies on iTunes. Warner Brothers, recently on some of their titles on iTunes, was downgrading users from the 4K version that they bought, the, the ultra-high-definition version that they purchased, down to just full HD. So, you're, you're, you, you paid for a particular quality, and again, at the, just the click of a button, they were able to downgrade what you had purchased to lesser. Now, in defense, it appears as though this was just a bug or something that was potentially on Apple's part because it looks like it was also affecting some other studios and that Apple was correcting the issue. 
just take it into context and perspective that this was still something that was possible. That you had purchased something and were expecting it to be one way. And very easily, a company can just change it without any warning. Again, like I said, it, it clearly looks like this was a mistake for this particular instance. But just the fact that it's possible that they could, through their their servers, could go into a file that you have and alter it. Now, it's, a lot of this has to do with the digital rights management. And they've done this with, obviously, with files that you purchase on places, or they've done it with DVDs as well. Basically done so that you cannot copy the file, save the file in, in your own way, and then create your own copies of it. There's arguments to be made there as to whether that's okay or not. I understand you when you purchase it, you're purchasing one copy. But if I've purchased it once, it's now mine to do whatever I want with it as long as I'm not using it to make money. It's the same thing that they put the the FBI warning when you watch a movie and they tell you, you know, you're not allowed to, to rebroadcast this and, and to basically you're not allowed to make money off of you bought this for you and that's it. You can't now use it to make money, which is fair. I, I just think it's very th- – this is why I'm an advocate for buying real things. Not that I don't like streaming, not that I don't like – the convenience of buying something online and having it just as a file. I just think it is a very, very scary thing that companies are able to just take things that you've bought or even just leased and rented. Same thing with uh, with music. I've seen several times on Apple Music, I'm an Apple Music subscriber, where I have an album that's downloaded for offline listening, and then a particular song is no longer playable. Or even the the album is no longer playable. And it has something to do with the record label and their particular deal or something where where they have decided to remove it from the streaming platform. The fact that that can happen at any time is crazy. And it's, it's really a shame because we've been, again, fed this lie that it's just as good as owning something. And it's just not. It's not truthful to consumers and I think it is a very it just sets a bad precedent for what companies could possibly do in the future so lastly what I'd like to talk about are shoes and a particular pair of shoes these are a a new pair of Nike Air Max 1s and these are a special edition that were made for the 4th of July and they feature the Betsy Ross flag on the back, uh, the original flag with the, the the stars in a circle in the, the field of blue. And like I said, they, these were made specifically for 4th of July as a sort of a patriotic shoe to wear. Fine. But they recently decided to pull them and to not release them. And the reason is Colin Kaepernick, everybody's favorite former football player, commented about them and said that potentially they glorify slavery and racism because it evokes a time of slavery and racism with that particular design. Now, as I have said multiple times on this show, I am a moderate conservative 
leaning more towards center than ever before. But I will give both sides a little bit of grace here. First of all, the shoes in no way, in my opinion, evoke racism in any way, shape, or form. Merely having the symbolism or or a historical flag on the shoes does not evoke racism. The campaign, from my understanding, is not designed to do anything other than commemorate the original flag. But I don't understand why Nike decided to use this particular flag. I don't understand why Nike chose to do anything that could have any kind of political meaning anyway, because they do not have the greatest track record in terms of dealing with politics. Now, now to remember, uh, Nike also does have a business uh, or, or does do business with Colin Kaepernick. They were, if you remember, he was a spokesperson for the company. This is after he was dismissed from... Uh, the 49ers for the kneeling or, or not his contract was not renewed put that way um, and that's a completely separate argument I am not here to discuss whether we like Colin Kaepernick or not I am not here to discuss that particular protest at all irrelevant just the, the person who brought it up is irrelevant the the question is whether these shoes should be released or not these shoes in particular, I see nothing wrong with, but I think it's fine for companies to listen to people and their potential concerns. Now, obviously not everyone's going to feel the way that Colin Kaepernick feels, and not everyone's going to feel the way that people who aren't Colin Kaepernick feel. You're, you're never going to satisfy everyone. As soon as the point is brought up, you're never going to satisfy everybody, because people will agree with him and people will disagree with him. And they will just, you know, stick to that particular line. My compromise would be just to change the shoes to the current flag. Because we already know Colin Kaepernick's grievances with current America. But by having that particular flag or or, or the current flag, by putting the current flag on there, you don't have the argument or the, the same argument that he's trying to make, which would be slavery, racism, things like that. You're just going to have the the same argument that he's been pushing of, well, America is a racist nation or America has issues with police brutality that it's not addressing. Fine. Your point's been made. There really is no need to make the point again. And that's just, that's how I see it. I don't see, I don't see why there is such a big fight over this. And, and what's hilarious is you've got people like, Laura Ingram from Fox News and Senator Ted Cruz both have publicly come out and said they're no longer going to buy Nike products or wear Nike shoes. Okay. Uh, I don't think Nike cares at all that they don't have your business. I think anyone that has decided to stop using Nike products or buying Nike products already made that decision when they hired Colin Kaepernick as a spokesperson, you know, when he was in a, an ad campaign this past year. 
I think it's also ridiculous. I'm I'm just going to point this out. I think it's also ridiculous that conservatives more generally do this. And I'm just going to be blunt. Conservatives like to grandstand when it comes to standing up for particular things like this. What is the goal of boycotting this particular product? What is the goal of no longer buying Nike products by by doing this? I don't I don't know what they think they're going to gain other than I don't know. You're you're not going to have the business of Laura Ingram anymore. I don't I don't know why Nike would really care that much. I know she's got some influence because she is a public figure, but I don't think it's great enough to the point where they would lose any significant business or really get any any serious feedback that they would really care about, if I'm being honest. So, that's my take. I just don't think that we need to be so serious when it comes to these kinds of things. And it's just another opportunity for politics to become involved in just everyday life when, really, I don't think we're as divided as we want to believe. And most people just don't care. They just wear the shoes, don't wear the shoes, buy them, don't buy them. You know what the greatest power is? The dollar. So, if you want to send a message to Nike to not have these shoes, then just don't buy them. You know, that's the easiest way to get them to stop selling this kind of thing or to not do this kind of thing is to just not buy those shoes. You know, you don't have to boycott the whole company and say, well, we're not going to buy your your thing anymore. Okay. You know, one person publicly saying they're not going to buy the product anymore. You weren't going to buy it anymore anyway. And that's all for this edition of Millennially Speaking. I'm David Latimer. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share us with your friends. We're also on Instagram at millennially underscore speaking and on YouTube, millennially speaking. We'll be back next week.